He's already been dead and it's messed with his head. It's John's post-life crisis. Welcome to John's post-life crisis. I am your host, John Johnston, founder and manager of CornNation.com, your Nebraska's Cornhusker site of terrific fun, even more fun that now football season is just two weeks away unless something horrible happens. And this episode, we're joined by Drew Pistoric, a contributor at the Champagne Room. And the Champagne Room is our SB Nation Illinois site. We're going to talk about Illinois fighting Illini football. And we're just going to get right into this. Drew, your first question. Are you ready? I'm here. I'm ready. When the Big Ten shut down football, what did you think? What was your reaction to them just saying, we're not going to have football, we're not going to have fall sports? Everything looked fine just a few days before that with a revised schedule, and suddenly we have nothing. Your thoughts? I mean, I think I was surprised like everybody else was, but I might get heat for this, but it really didn't bother me all that much when they decided to, to cancel it. Uh, at first, you know, just, I, I liked the idea of, and I wrote about this on the, on the champagne room after this whole back and forth happened and they decided to redo the schedule and cancel it and redo it. Um, you know, it was kind of nice to see just collectively the schools try to be schools first and not just be blinded by football and the athletics part of it. So, you know, it got to the point where I was just like, you know, whatever the decision is, whether you're going to play, whether you're going to not play, like just make that decision and stick with it. But I mean, I also, you know, I understand why folks would be upset because football is a big part of, you know, our lives, especially in the late summer, early fall. Like we just, we kind of set appointments to watching football and gathering and tailgating and just being around each other and, rooting and cheering so I mean I I get both sides of it um but initially yeah I mean of course when they're making schedules and you know it just it seemed to me like it was heading towards that from the start like okay you're canceling the non-conference games like Illinois was supposed to play Illinois State for example in the first I think it was the first game and Illinois State and Illinois are 45 miles 50 miles apart and so it's like, you're going to go conference only. So you're telling me that it's, it's not safe to play Illinois State, which is like a 45-minute bus ride, but it's cool to drive on a bus <laughs> to New Jersey and play Rutgers or go to, you know, Maryland. It's like, it just kind of, I had that sense, maybe just because I'm very cynical, I kind of had that sense that that's where it was headed. Like you'd see a story every day and it's like, yeah, we're not going to play. Like, it's just not going to happen. And so they canceled it. And, you know, then there was the backlash and the protests and picketing and people suing and all this other stuff. And it's like, I don't feel like people really wanted the transparency. That was like the big word is like, I think they just wanted their way. Like they wanted it to like, and again, it's something I wrote about at, uh, on the champagne room was like, so your response to Kevin Warren caving is to have him 
cave. <laughs> so it's like, it was just a very back and forth kind of thing. Like none of it really made any sense. Um, I do love football. So I'm glad it's back, but there has been a, it, it's been weird for me. Cause it's like, honestly, like if they just said, we're not going to play, I wouldn't have really cared. So, so, like, so like I, you but can, you're one of those, but you're trying to be diplomatic about it. Yeah, I am. Cause it's like, <laughs> I can, I can say that I'm excited for football because I am, but I can also be leery of them trying to play, if that makes sense. It, it does. It does. Uh, I, as a Nebraskan, I have to say that uh, I am very happy that Husker football is returning because, by God, it's our lives. And, <laughs> and if I don't say that, I think that somebody would come to my house and, and set me straight, and they'd probably have, yeah. I don't know, bats or pitchforks. And maybe, or, and maybe or, or worse. Maybe that's part of my perspective, too, is that I've seen, like, six decent football seasons in my entire life as an Illinois fan. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe it's like, hmm, you don't really see Indiana and Rutgers and Illinois, like, really com- – Northwest are really complaining about it. They're like, yeah, sure, cancel it. That's fine. Not going to bother us a bit. So maybe that's part of it. Maybe there's – because of the uh, – the lack of tradition, I guess, in the last 20, 25 years, we're like, eh, whatever happens, happens. <laughs> so, so with that segue, let's go into Illinois football. Yes, sir. Uh, they showed improvement last season. They knocked off Wisconsin, a game that shocked at everybody. Uh, they went on a four-game winning streak. They had that amazing comeback against Michigan State. But then they finished the season losing to Iowa and Northwestern. They went 6-6 six and six in the regular season, and then they lost 35-20 to 20 to California in the Red Box Bowl to finish the season at 6-7. and seven. Uh, This is a new season for Levy Smith. Everybody loves the beard. Yeah. How is he doing well, from the Illinois standpoint? Well, the beard is gone now, so that was a big, that was a big story. It was like, oh, my God. God, he shaved his beard off. So we don't have any more t-shirts to sell. <laughs> um, so I, I think this is, uh, it's kind of strange that this is sort of considered a make or break year since he had won, I think, nine games the first three years prior to last year. Um, there's a lot of roster churn with Illinois. So, a lot of transfers, you know, a lot of upperclassmen moving out after this year, and there's a lot of uncertainty. There's, you know, they've not um, – for all the strengths that they have with the transfer portal and bringing veteran players in from elsewhere, uh, the recruiting the last couple of years as far as, you know, incoming freshmen or, you know, getting those, you know, high school recruits has been a little iffy if I'm being genteel. So we kind of have a feeling that, you know, yeah, we can build on that six win year. Feel like we still let a couple slip away. Nebraska last year being a perfect example of that. You know, they tried handing us that game several, several times, (laughs) a game that we really, uh, we being Illinois probably had no business even being in if it weren't for, you know, fumbles and, just a sloppy game all the way around. So you look at that and you're like, man, that would have really, you know, but then it's like the Wisconsin thing probably wouldn't have happened. 
the Michigan State thing wouldn't have happened. So it's like, you know, Northwestern kills us, and I, I don't know why. Like, Pat Fitzgerald's just Illinois' daddy for whatever reason. I don't know. They just can't seem to get over that hump and beat Northwestern, especially last year when they were just awful. Like, they were terrible. And, you know, in a game that, you know, we'd already secured bowl eligibility, Illinois was already, like, they knew they were going somewhere, and you'd think knowing that, that would have given them some inspiration to kind of end the season strong, and they just kind of fell flat. But um, it's a weird it's a weird situation because of what I said earlier. There's a lot of veteran guys, a lot of really good veteran players, and then after that, it's up in the air. Like, we don't really know what's going to happen. So – with the non-conference being canceled, we were sort of at the site, you know, we're kind of saying, you know, Illinois is a really good shot of going 3-0 and heading into Big Ten. And then I think it was Rutgers was the first game and then Nebraska. So it's like you had a chance realistically of going at least 4-0, and possibly 5-0 and if you beat Nebraska. And then it's like you got to win one game in your final seven. And – so that got canceled, and it's like, this is the most Illinois thing ever. We have a chance that we have – it looks like we're going to be good, and then it just gets yanked out from under us. So, yeah, I think the way our schedule shook out, uh, Illinois' schedule shook out, wasn't terrible. It could have been a lot worse as far as the crossover goes. Ohio State's going to be a beast no matter who plays them. Um, but getting Rutgers in that East Division crossover is very helpful. And the West – other than Wisconsin, it's been up for grabs. You know, Iowa had that year in 15 where they went 12-0, and 0, but no one's really reached out and grabbed it. So I think if you get hot early and win a couple of games, can they – you know, they could go 2-7 and seven or they could go 5-4, and four, and I really wouldn't be surprised either way. So no, you're kind of in the same – everybody – wow, tried having a sentence there. Everybody's in the same position kind of in the West where yeah. we're not really sure of uh, what's going to happen, what's going to happen next. You know, Wisconsin is the only program that seems to be consistent from year to year. Iowa is consistently average, and Nebraska's in, enjoy pointing that out whenever we can. Uh, your offense, you do have a quarterback, Brandon Peters, returning that's a pretty good quarterback. Uh, who else is around him that's going to be there to score points? Reggie Corbin, who was an excellent running back, is gone. Uh, who's going to replace him? Let's hear about the offense. Yeah, I'm, I'm very, very excited about the offense. I really am. And that's, that's strange, again, based on what happened heading into last season. Um, you know, prior to Peters getting there, I think it was – it was at least five starting quarterbacks, maybe even six in a two-year period after Wes Lunt left. So, you know, Lovey Smith, to his credit, him and his coaching staff, they knew you can't compete. Like, you can have as, as good a team as there is, but if the quarterback play is not there, it's just not going to work. Like, you've got to have somebody who can get the ball to somebody and make some plays. And, and Peter's – I, it, it was a little tough early on in the season, but I think he, he did show that improvement. Um, you know, 1,800, 1,900 yards isn't a ton, you know, 
he didn't miss some time. He had some injuries, you know, some concussions and some things like that where he missed some time. But you could tell he had a firm grasp of the offense. You know, he he's not, you know, he's a game manager in the good sense that he's not probably going to be the reason Illinois wins, but he's not going to make that, you know, soul-crushing mistake that costs you a game. So having that veteran guy in place, you know, like he's not – I'm a Bears fan. I love Jay Cutler, but he's not Jay. He's not going to do that where he throws the ball and it's just this like, oh my God, how do you make that throw? Like he's just not that guy. You know, he he's a very mature player. He handles himself well. Teammates seem to like him. You know, he's got a firm grasp of the offense. So going in, you feel good about him. Behind him, you're not really sure if he is a situation where he's not healthy and he misses some time. Uh, Matt Robinson was named the the number two quarterback, I think, uh, yesterday or today. Um, the, the Lovey Smith did confirm that, that he is going to be the number two quarterback. And, you know, he can run a little bit, move around a little bit, but he's not shown that he can make plays consistently to, you know, it, it's disappointing um, because it's like, okay, so basically if our number one quarterback is gone, we don't have a chance. That's how it felt last year at times. So Peters being healthy, you know, being there for the full season would be great. He's got a lot of toys to throw the ball to. Luke Ford coming in from Georgia had to sit out last year due to the transfer rules. Um, him being healthy, him being available. I mean, he's six six. He's two sixty. I mean, any team, any team in the country except for Georgia, apparently, would kill to have him. Uh, he's he's a game changer. He's a physical freak. Um, Josh Emetarbebe, another transfer from USC, came in last year, and it was pretty clear right away that he was the number one guy in the receiving core. Um, they've since added a couple other transfers. Uh, Kamari Thompson from Missouri was ruled eligible immediately this year. Brian Hightower, he used to play for Miami, was ruled immediately eligible as well. So there's a lot of talent as far as the pass catchers go. Receiving core looks really good to me. Uh, Daniel Barker was the starting tight end last year. You know, he's not as good as blocking as Ford is, so you could see a lot of two, maybe three tight end sets. Imad Bebe's brother, um, Daniel Imad Bebe joined the team as well. So, again, milking the transfer portal, getting those guys in. You know, if it's only even for one or two years, you know, making an impact, helping this team win. That's going to be big. Uh, the running back spot is up in the air. And typically, you know, Lovey Smith likes to do that ground and pound, ball control kind of style. And he doesn't have Reggie Corbin, doesn't have Dre Brown anymore either, who is the second leading rusher, 60-year uh, senior, I believe. So, and uh, the guy who was going to be the number one running back coming into the year opted out due to COVID. So, you have a couple of guys, uh, Rayvon Bonner uh, opted out due to COVID. His name escaped me for a second. But you have some guys like uh, Mike Epstein, who's looked really, really sensational, but he hasn't been able to stay on the field. He's missed time all of his first three seasons due to injury, whether it's a foot or a knee or whatever. He's just had a hard time staying on the field. And then you have some other guys that were not, expected to be, you know, number one backs. So that's really where we're skeptical as fans about, you know, who's going to run the ball. If they can stay healthy, it's going to be good. 
but you still need to use the run to set up the pass. So having all these toys to throw to is great, but you can't just drop back 50 times and not run the ball. So uh, that's kind of the question mark is, is who's going to be that, that bell cow for, for Illinois. Offensive line looks pretty good. A lot of depth there. Um, they did have another transfer from Wofford. Uh, Blake uh, Gerasati, who is, was slated to start at right guard, and he's going to have shoulder surgery missed the whole year. So now you're kind of wondering where is that spot going to get filled? So that kind of takes part of your depth away when you've got to fill in another spot. So, um, but overall, a veteran offensive line, done a good job uh, with the, uh, the run and pass protection. So, you know, running back, I think, uh, is the major question heading into the season because the receivers – tight ends o-line looks pretty good and we have a, a competent satisfactory quarterback as well so the offense is going to be capable of scoring points i think so i think uh you know i think they'd be doing uh, the coaching staff would be doing the offense a disservice if they tried to run the ball more it's like they have a lot of guys that are big and long and you know you have, you know, you have, you have you know, how to, how you'd ideally build it. You have the possession receiver, like you met or Bebe, not a burner. He's not going to kill you. He's not like a four, two, four, three, four, four guy, but he's six, three, two, 15. Like just, you know, he's like a Clydesdale horse. I mean, he is just like, you see him and you're just like, physically, he is a beast. Like he's incredible. And then you have some more speed guys. Thompson at Missouri was a, was on the track team. He ran a 4-3-40. Uh, and you have Trayvon Sidney, who played with Amar Bebe at USC, who is more of the speedy slot receiver guys. I mean, they've got some dudes. You just got to find a way to get in the ball. And Rod Smith is a very creative play caller offensively. So, right. you know, we kind of trust that he's going to come up with something. You know, there's only one ball. You can't throw it to everybody. Not everyone's going to have 50, 60 catches, but – there's going to be enough to make everybody happy. At least that's what I feel like going into the season. So I take it the weakness of Illinois is on the defensive side of the ball then? Um, I think more so with rushing the passer. I think up front, can they impose their will on that side? You know, they had Wally Batiku last year from USC for the first four or five games looked really, really good. You know, he led the nation in sacks for a brief period early in the year. Then he had some injury issues, and then once we got into the, the heat of the Big Ten season, wasn't really as effective, um, and he's gone. He left early to go to the NFL, and looks like that wasn't a great decision because he didn't get drafted. He didn't really stick on with another team. So I think another year would have really helped him and helped the defensive front overall. Uh, a lot of inexperience, a lot of changeover on that defensive line, so – um, not really sure what that's going to look like. I know uh, Moses Okpala, one of the defensive linemen, was flipped to the O-line. Uh, so that could be another – and he's six seven, three hundred 300 pounds. So that might be a better spot for him long-term because he wasn't getting a lot of reps on the D-line. Um, but it's, again, one fewer guy to roll out there, you know, one less guy to, to, to lay out on the defensive front. So – Linebackers are pretty good. You know, Jake Hansen's back, you know, one of the leading tacklers from a year ago. Uh, Milo Eifler's back, who transferred from Washington and played last year. Uh, so, linebackers, I feel pretty good. You know, that uh, secondary has some experience. 
I think they improved as the year went on last year. Um, they've got some depth now. Uh, Marquez Beeson, uh, who was one of the more highly touted recruits coming into 2019, he had a knee injury, missed the whole season. So he's back now. He said he's all in. There was talks that maybe he was going to leave and go elsewhere. He is staying put, at least for now. And he figures to be uh, an impact player. He's one of the best recruits as far as ratings. If, you, if you're uh, enamored with that kind of thing, you know, he was one of the highly, mo- more highly rated recruits that Lovey Smith was able to snare and bring to Champaign. So I think, you know, the passing defense is going to be okay. You know, the defense wasn't outstanding anyway. So I, uh, saying they're, you know, saying they were great is, is, is not accurate. They were a good defense, um, you know, missed a lot of tackles. So the, the fundamental stuff, the, the mistakes and like missed assignments that seemed to plague them a lot. So if they can clean up that, you know, I think the passing defense will be okay, but rushing the passer, attacking the line of scrimmage, you know, winning that battle up front could be an issue. You know, when you started this, it, you, you sounded like, uh, you know, oh, woe is me. I mean, maybe not that bad, but, you know, kind of an Illinois fan that's like, yeah, whatever. But Just, the team you're yeah. describing to me doesn't sound terrible. I mean, they sound like a right. bull team. If we were in a normal year, they sound like a bull team or maybe a possibly 7-5, 8-4 team. Mm-hmm. Do you think they're going to get there? I mean, we're not going to, you know, obviously we're not playing 12 games, yeah. but – when you look at the season overall, what do you think is going to happen with Illinois? Yeah. You talked about it a little bit before, but. Yeah, I would have very, I would have easily penciled them in for seven wins at the start of the year in a normal year. Like I said, the, the non-conference schedule was very favorable with Illinois state Bowling Green and UConn all at home first three weeks. Like that has a, a good chance to get your roll and get some good stuff going heading into Big Ten. Because, you know, the Big Ten is going to be tough. It always is. And, you know, we as fans, you know, us amongst the site, we're kind of thinking, yeah, yeah, they probably have three Big Ten wins in them, maybe four. So if they can start with that three wins, you know, all they're going to need is three more, and then they're kind of in the same situation that they're in now. So – Seven wins now. I mean, if you if they went seven and two or six and two in this format, would be amazing. That'd be outstanding. But as we kind of touched on before, you know, the Big Ten West, it's a lot different than the Big Ten East. You know, you're not going through Michigan, you're not going through Penn State and Ohio State. You know, there are a lot of games where you know it's going to be a kind of a coin flip kind of thing. It's just going to be depending on you know field conditions, or it's going to be who's injured, who's healthy. You know, how well is the quarterback playing? Who, you know, who's available? You know, I, I think I think I had them at four wins, you know, since they're doing the the eight-game the eight game regular season and there's that Champions Week where they just kind of put, okay, you're the second-place team, you're going to play the other second-place team, that kind of a thing. So I had them at four wins, four and five after the nine weeks. And I did have them going to a bowl because honestly, I don't know what the bowl season's going to look like. <laughs> I think that I think that just based on what the bowls look for, I think they would take a three and six Big Ten team over a <laughs> six and three Conference USA team, just based on you know fans traveling and 
supporting their team. You know, they're all thinking about money, thinking about gate, all those kind of things. You know, Nebraska fans travel really well. Iowa fans travel really well. And, of course, Michigan, Ohio State, they're going to have fans show up everywhere. So if Nebraska goes one and seven, but they qualify for a bowl, <laughs> I, think, I think a bowl committee is going to say, you know, maybe we should put them in over Louisiana. Might be a better fit, might be more worthwhile for us. So uh, I think if they're doing the format that we've heard about where everyone's going to be eligible or there's not really that, you know, that cap of being 500 or better gets you in. Uh, I think certainly if they're in that four or five win range, uh, they would certainly be in consideration for a bowl. Even if they won three, they might be in that, in that conversation. I think four is probably uh, a safer conversation though. I look at, you know, I look at uh, Purdue and Rutgers as the two that you're probably going to win for Illinois. Uh, I have those penciled in as wins. And then I think there's a combination of three or four other games where you could get two more wins out of that. I think Nebraska is one of those. Again, it just depends on what happens. You know, that was a really sloppy game last year that Illinois probably should have won, even though they had no business winning, but they were gifted that win. They couldn't take advantage of it. So I think Illinois is certainly capable of stealing a win from a better team like a Minnesota, a Wisconsin, maybe even an Iowa. And then you have that inevitable clunker that they're going to have where they should win a game and they're probably going to stink it out. So, you know, they're not a great team by any stretch, but they, they can be a, you know, an average, an average middle of the road team. And in a pandemic shortened season, average might be good enough to get you into a bowl and, and a good one. Who knows? So what, what do you, let's say they make a bowl and let's say they finish it. Let's say they finish at 500. What's the outlook for Lovey Smith on that? Is this just a write-off year where everybody goes, we're not going to count anything or do you think it adds or subtracts his ability to continue to have Illinois get better in the long term? or what is the long term for Illinois, I guess? That's, Does anybody know? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. We really don't know. It's, you know, the transfer portal's been very favorable to Illinois. I think they've, you know, other than, you know, Justin Fields going to Ohio State, that's the obvious outlier. Um, I think Illinois has really done a great job of coaxing players to come to Champaign. I think they, they've done a really good job of using the transfer portal to their advantage to get, you know, some veteran guys who maybe didn't get a chance to show out elsewhere. You know, Amad Bebe is a great example. You know, you see him on the field in these games against Michigan State. I mean, he was the best player on the field, hands down, against Michigan State. Just they had no answer for him. He's making 20, you know, 25-yard plays, 60-yard plays, 70 – he had – I think he caught four passes in that game for like 160 yards. Or I mean, he was just – He's unstoppable. And you're like, he's not good enough to see the field at USC. Like what, like, like what's going on? So they've done a really good job of bringing in guys that fit and, and help them in the short term. And then we sort of, I sort of talked about it earlier. Uh, The long-term future, you know, we kind of had this two year thing, like this year, last season was going to be 
you know, we got to the bowl game. That's great. That's an achievement in and of itself, especially the way the season started with losing to Eastern Michigan. It's just like, oh, my God, here we go again. And then you're 32-point underdogs or something like that against Wisconsin. You're like, yeah, homecoming, great. Have fun with that. And then somehow they, you know, they hang with it. They st- I think that kind of turned the tide and the Michigan game where they were down big early but kept fighting and kept chipping away and made that a competitive game. You sort of saw the tide turn there that maybe they're getting this. Maybe they're starting to feel good. Maybe they're feeling better about themselves and the outlook of the team. You know, getting to the bowl game was a big step. And now with a veteran team established, not a lot of guys, they have a lot of their core coming back. So this is one of those things where this season needs to be a good season because it does look sort of bleak moving forward because of the inexperience we talked about, lack of impact recruits coming in from the high school. And there's going to be, it's going to look very similar to what it did the first couple of years of Lovey Smith's tenure, where there's a lot of freshmen, a lot of sophomores getting thrown in. And of course you're going to have some that do really well, but it doesn't bode well in the big 10 rolling out 50, 60, kids that haven't really played, you know, it's, it's hard to win in a conference like the big 10 when you have, you know, 15 freshman starters or something to that effect. It's just, it's just hard to do, you know, cause they're learning on the fly. And when you're playing Penn state and Iowa and Ohio state and, you know, teams like that, you know, they're not going to feel sorry for you that, Oh, you've got 20 freshmen that are starting on your team. And, you know, they're, they're going to, they're going to pounce on you. So yeah, this year, we as fans should try to enjoy it as much as possible because this might be the last best chance for a couple more years. But I don't think Lovey Smith's in any danger. I think Josh Whitman, the athletic director, is really, really enamored with him. And, you know, it brings a very professional atmosphere to Illinois. You know, he's not some loose cannon head coach. He doesn't have any – real off the field problems. There's not a lot of baggage there. Now he's a, he is a coach that, you know, if you go into a recruits living room, the parents are going to fall in love with him and want their kid to play for him. So ultimately that's what you want. He has provided that kind of stability. So I don't think he's in any danger, but of course you got to win. So if you're going two and 10 every year, you can be the nicest, sweetest guy in the world, but it's a bottom line business. So I think at some point, it is going to get to that point where we just need a guy that can win games consistently. And, uh, right, you know, if he can turn a corner this year and have some positive momentum, that might help him out. Um, but in the, the near term, he, he's fine. He's not going anywhere. Well, one of the things that I brought up uh, on one of our other podcasts, because we have a gob of podcasts at Coronation, is this idea that because of this bloody virus – uh, players are staying closer to home. Nebraska has lost some players in other sports. For example, women's basketball, where one of them literally transferred to a, a one of our top players who was a very good player, transferred to like an NAIA t- team just so she could be in her hometown. Uh, I'll give you a, a hypothetical. Okay. If that's the case, if players are staying closer, 
to their hometowns, doesn't Illinois have an advantage because of the Chicago area or because of the, the population in, in Illinois? I mean, compared to like an Iowa or a, or a Nebraska. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a tough one, John, because that's been a big criticism uh, of Lovey Smith and his staff. Um, they've done a really good job of finding players in Georgia and Florida and Texas and elsewhere. Um, but he's had difficulty with the in-state players playing for them and coming to Illinois and committing. So, you know, he, the St. Louis area is a nice hotbed for Illinois. That's been successful recently, you know, because Champaign's not too far. You know, there is still a, a big Illini footprint in that part of the country as well, even though it's not technically in-state. It's, you know, it is a very, you know, Illini favorable region. You have Missouri there, and that's the only real big uh, – power five school within shouting distance. Um, so it's tough. I mean, in theory, and that's one of the reasons Luke Ford wanted to come to Illinois. You know, he did transfer to be closer to uh, his ailing grandparents who didn't get a chance to watch him play. And um, so he wanted to be closer to home. I, I suppose it's possible that you would see that. Um, but it's been hard for whatever reason. You know, can't really – I can't explain it. Maybe somebody else that follows the team more closely than I do um, that's on the pulse and maybe like around, you know, around the team more um, can, can kind of pinpoint that. But that has been a big issue is, you know, a lot of those Chicago kids, I mean, you're, you, in theory, you're absolutely correct. Hey, there's the Chicago pipeline, there's Peoria, there's St. Louis. Like there's a lot of, you know, even Indianapolis isn't too far away. It's a couple hours so in theory, yeah, there's, you know, some pretty good pockets to get some players and that aren't too far away from, from Champaign. But for whatever reason, he's, he's really struggled with that. And the, the coaching staff has struggled with that. It's getting better. Um, the offensive line, they've done a good job recently of bringing in some, of, of getting some commitments from, from offensive line prospects in state. Um, Olin Krutz's son is an example who played for the, the Bears for many, many, many years. Um, his son is a obviously he still lives in the Chicago area. His son goes to uh, one of the uh, the parochial schools in the Chicago area. He recently committed back in the summer. That was kind of a big get. Like, all right, there's a Chicago guy. We're bringing in those you know those those kind of kids. But um, it has been difficult to bring those you know, those top tier in state recruits and have them stay at Illinois. So um, ideally, that's what I would like to see. Uh, I know a lot of fans feel the same way. Wait, okay. An outsider's look at Nebraska. Because, you know, I, I, I follow our fans as closely as I can. I follow our football team, obviously. But it's, I think it's always good to get an outsider's perspective. When you look at Nebraska – Let's first start with this. Let's go back to the beginning and say, when you saw like Desmond Howard or somebody saying, you know, Nebraska wants to lead the Big Ten, the hell with them, let them go. What was your reaction to that? First of all, that Nebraska wanted to leave the Big Ten, which we never did. But the whole Scott Frost tension, the Nebraska tension. Tell us about what you think of us. <laughs> is there a dump button on this thing? Do you want to want to go there? Um, I, you know, I, I kind of echoed that sentiment, you know, and again, I'm, this is, you know, I'm looking at it from 10,000 feet away. I'm not following the team 
the way you obviously would be in the fan bases. So I just look at, you know, Twitter and Twitter is great. And Twitter is also a hellscape at the same time. So you're kind of seeing what you want to see a lot of times. Um, but my reaction was, you know, if they, if Nebraska really wants to leave that badly, bye, you know, don't let the door hit you on the way out kind of a thing. It's just, you know, we haven't become close friends. What the hell? I just, I, I feel like, and again, this is an outsider's view. So if, if I'm incorrect or if you have a different perspective, feel free to correct me. It, just, it seems like from the get-go, Nebraska seemed as, uh, like they were leaving the Big 12 because they couldn't get past, you know, the Oklahomas and the Texases and those kind of things. And they saw an opportunity to kind of run rough shot over the Big Ten. Maybe that's how they felt initially. I don't know how they feel now. But that seemed, from our perspective as being around the Big Ten, as what they perceived themselves as and, what, okay. and how they perceived the conference. And I don't feel that Nebraska in the last 10 or 15 years has really earned the right to feel that way about themselves, if that makes sense. So – they certainly have a lot of talent. They've had some, some good squads. Um, but I think most rational people would look at what's happened with Nebraska the last you – know, since they joined the Big Ten and say, like, they've been just kind of a middle-of-the-road team. Like, they haven't really shown that they're Nebraska. You know, it's like the joke about Texas being back and are they or are they not. And when they look like they are, they – have a stinker and it's like, Oh, so you're not back. Okay. That's kind of how it's felt from my point of view, watching Nebraska's, you know, they have those games where they look like they're pretty good. And they have, you know, like the Colorado game last year where you're just like, <laughs> really? Like you bring that one up. Huh? Like, really? Like, okay. Like, yep, you're right. You guys are back. Totally. Like don't need to convince anybody but yourselves. Like, so like, and, and they, they've just – they've kind of fit in that, you know, second tier of the Big Ten West instead of being, like, a top two or three team in the Big Ten as a whole. They've kind of just been another team within the league. And so I think that's the, the general perception that most of us that don't cheer for Nebraska have kind of seen. Um, so, you know – I think it's good that they're in the Big Ten. I think, uh, you know, they do bring a lot to the table. And they, you know, more so than I think a Rutgers or a Maryland. That's, that's a whole other issue. We could probably talk about that for two hours on, a, on, a, on another show. Um, I think at least geographically it's a fit. You know, recruits, you're competing for kind of the same players as these other schools in the Big Ten. It's not – off the wall to think of Nebraska in the Big Ten. Um, but, you know, I, I do think there was a little bit of, of, of piety there where, you know, we're Nebraska and because we were Nebraska and Nebraska football was this juggernaut, you know, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s that that's just going to be the way it is forever. And as an Illinois fan – that I've seen in my lifetime probably five or six decent seasons. So I'm a little skewed in that regard too. Like for me, Illinois goes seven and five, Bill Lovey a statue. That's great. But for Nebraska, for teams that have higher expectations, that's, you know, that's obviously a bit different. I would say that 
I guess me I, personally, I never expected us to walk into the Big Ten and kick ass because I lived in Minnesota since 1989, and uh, I'm very familiar with the Big Ten. And I now that's not true in the sport of baseball, but we're not talking about baseball right, right now. Right, now right. Nebraska did expect to walk into the conference and kick the crap out of everybody in baseball, yeah. and that hasn't happened. Uh, although I will say that we are responsible for lifting the barrier, lifting the bar for uh, for baseball in the Big Ten, and I cover I've covered baseball quite extensively over the last well this will be my 14th year I think at Coronation, but uh, the Big Ten just doesn't really care about baseball very much at all. They have some good teams, and you have some. You know, like Mike Anderson at Minnesota has to be one of the best baseball coaches in the nation but he's constantly fighting that cold weather problem. Yeah. Uh, Illinois has had some good teams. Anyway, we, we shouldn't go too far into baseball. <laughs> <laughs> I really, you know what, I, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I'll tell you a story. Last year, I shoot photography sometimes, and, and I've shot the Big Ten wrestling tournament. was a lot of fun. Last year, I did shoot the Final Four in volleyball. Illinois was in the Final Four in volleyball. Nebraska knocked them off after they were up two sets to nothing. Uh, you know, I, w- I was set to shoot the Big Ten baseball tournament, the the re- the NCAA wrestling tournament finals, uh, the College World Series, and it really in baseball season all that stuff went away, and it was really, yeah, honestly, pretty upsetting. <laughs> I yeah. cried like a baby at one of my neighbors' houses talking about this. So, you know, the fact that we're going to get any football at all, I think, is a blessing. And I hope that it all turns out okay for the rest of us. You know, you said, you mentioned earlier that uh, we should just be thankful to have this. And yeah, that's probably the best attitude. But, I, you know, when actual football season started in my house, I watched football from the morning until the night. There hasn't been as much of it. But I was screaming at refs and I'm yelling at coaches that aren't on my team. And my wife comes downstairs and she says, you feel pretty good now, don't you? Yeah. And, and I thought, yeah, this is what I want. I want to be able to bitch about my team and bitch about referees and officials and stupid coaches that coach at other teams and Bo Pelini's yeah. shitty defense at LSU. <laughs> That's what I want. Yeah. It's a part of my life. And, and I, hopefully I'll get back here in two weeks. Yeah. All right. Is there anything else I've left out about Illinois that you would like to tell the faithful fans of Nebraska? Uh, I we covered a lot of it. I think it's it is going to be. I hope you know. Obviously, we haven't played any games yet. So, uh, on paper, uh, the offense looks like it's going to be a fun team to watch. Um, I, I do. I do think that they have enough power on offense to score some points and kind of make up for any mistakes that they may make. Um, I, I do, uh, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I, I do feel like we have a sense of normalcy and I know what I said at the, at the, at the start of the interview, John, about kind of, you know, if it happens fine, I'll, I'll watch. I'm not going to say I'm not going to watch cause I will, cause I'm a masochist just like most sports fans are. Um, but <laughs> you know, if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, you know, I'm just hoping basketball season happens. So for me, being an Illinois fan, I'm like, well, as long as they can play basketball and they don't cancel that again, I'm okay. Um, but, yeah, like, as much as I love watching Coastal Carolina and, <laughs> you know, and teams like that, uh, it is going to be kind of fun to 
to bitch about your own team for a change. So it is going to welcome a night. It's going to be a nice change. And, you know, I, I think this is going to help in the long run uh, with, you know, I wasn't one of those people that's like, they should fire Kevin Warren and they should roast him on an open flame. Like I wasn't one of those people. <laughs> like it's an impossible situation. He was damned if he did, damned if he didn't. He was going to piss off people either way, no matter what his decision was. If he decided to not have the season, then it was going to be, oh, he's playing politics. And if he doesn't, and if he does do the season, it's always oh, only trying to get money. So you're never going to win that fight. Like, I don't want that job. Like I, I wouldn't want to have his job. Like it's an impossible situation. Um, it's, it's just, it just is. So I, I think from an Illinois perspective, you know, I think they're going to be a fun team to watch from afar. And as a bears fan, who's watched a lot of crappy quarterbacks and a lot of uh, just inconsistent play over the years, if you're going to be an average or below average team, at least be fun to watch. You know, if they lose, you know, like, like the big 12 is a great example. You know, I love offense. If a game's 56 to 49, I'm happy with that. It's an entertaining way. I'd rather watch that than, you know, three yards and a cloud of dust, you know, 12 to seven every week. So, you know, Ohio State shouldn't be the only team allowed to score 40 points in a game. I think other teams should be able to join in on that fun. And I think Illinois has the firepower to do that. They might also give up 40. But, again, if you're going to be bad or average, at least make the games entertaining. At least give you a reason to tune in. So it's the Jameis Winston effect. You know, he might throw 30 interceptions in a season, but he's going to throw for 5,000 yards and he's going to throw for 40 touchdowns. So it's never going to be boring. And I think uh, the Big Ten is as less boring now as it's been in a long time. And I think the the pandemic is really going to make it even more interesting because it's kind of a level playing field for a lot of teams because you don't have a lot of home field advantages. I mean, some stadiums are going to let fans in, I think. Uh, I mean, uh, eventually I think it will get to that point where there's, you know, 50%, 60% or whatever. They, I, I think at some point that will happen. Um, you know, but a lot of teams, you know, unless you're Penn State and Ohio State, you know, they feel like, you know, we can we can sneak up on some folks and surprise some people and, and you know, kind of do what Illinois did last year. Once that Wisconsin game happened, it was like, Oh, and the Michigan State game happened, and people were like, maybe this is something to watch, you know, down the road. So um, I think it's going to be kind of cool. You know, we saw with baseball, it made things a lot more interesting because every game was important. You didn't have that little lull halfway through the season where, you know, all right, we'll just do all-star break, and then we'll start picking it back up. You know, it, it kind of revved some teams up, and it gives everybody a chance. And, you know, heading into the season in two weeks, I think that's all you can hope for is your team having a chance. You know, it's, it's weird not thinking that your team's going to be any good and then you still have to watch and cover the team and be like, well, this went as we expected because our team sucks. So <laughs> I think uh, I, at least I feel that way. I don't know how other Illinois fans and Nebraska fans feel, but, 
you know, I think this is an opportunity to seize a moment and Illinois has as good a chance as any to be in that, you know, they're not going to win the big 10 West. I'm not going to be crazy. I'm not going to say, you know, they're going to dethrone Wisconsin and, you know, Minnesota and those other teams that are ahead of them. But if they can finish, you know, third in the big 10 West or fourth in the big 10 West, I'd say it's a pretty damn successful season. All right, we're going to end there. I thank Drew Pistoric of the Champagne Room for joining me to talk about Illinois football. And uh, I, I wish you a good 2020 football season, but not that good. <laughs> um, and that's it for John's Post-Life Crisis. Thank you for listening, and go Big Red. <laughs> <laughs>